welcome to episode 117 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who has just returned from a big-time, really important conference, John Scott Sloat. Yeah, it's uh, it's travel season again. Travel's back on after COVID. So yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We we might circle back around and talk a little bit about your experience on this. Yeah, trip. yeah. We yeah. we could we could do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's let's, let's table it. A little teaser. That's yeah. what the that's what the, the radio people call that. Is it, well, you have a degree in that, so <laughs> yeah, I, I do not. So yeah, you you well, would know. Yes, yes, indeed. So, um, we are recording on a Monday morning after. Uh, the NCAA tournament got down to its final four. Mm-hmm. But I feel like before we talk about that, we should do our sort of standard uh, business here, you know, take care of the typical arrangements here. If you'd like to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod, which can I just say, by the way, yeah, I don't know. This week, past week, it felt like Twitter was an especially like awful place. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, it's t- typically a I feel like 80% of Twitter is awful and there's maybe 20% that's redeeming. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's – I, I was at a conference. I missed. OK. Uh, I, w- I wasn't on Twitter that much. So. OK. Well, you, 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 know, you were probably better off that way. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and on YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And we would love for you to – uh, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you access the show. Uh, we did have a, a listener, Mark in Indiana, send us a screenshot. Did you, you – Elder Mark? Yes. <laughs> uh, that he went ahead and provided a rating on Spotify. But apparently there haven't been enough on Spotify for them to show it publicly, which seems odd to me. Really? Yeah. All right, like, so so that's so, that's the marching orders. Yeah, so all you Spotify listeners have got to go out and rate it so that we can uh, so people can actually see. Yeah, if you have Spotify, yeah, go give us five stars. Yeah, there. absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, as we mentioned, this was a big weekend. Uh, before we do sports, do we want to take a little bit of a, a left turn here and and talk Oscars? Yeah, that might that might be a U turn, <laughs> uh, not a left turn. Um, we should I mean, probably I, acknowledge that neither of us watched. No, no, no. Uh, but we woke up this morning to some interesting news. Yeah, all, all the buzz on tw- on social media, on Twitter. The first streaming show ever won Best Picture. Okay. And Will Smith hit Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, I saw that clip. Okay. <laughs> and um, I mean I saw them – They uh, the clip I saw played the joke that Chris Rock made a joke about his – about Will Smith's wife – and she she's recently shaved her head because yes. of a, a illness that causes her to lose her hair. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he made some joke about that. Basically, it wasn't a particularly good joke. No, it was. It, it was, was a GI Jane joke, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I think is a pretty obscure movie from late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well past uh, a lot of people in the audience. We're outside the window for that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so as a result, Will Smith um, 
storms the stage is probably a strong word. I saw some people use that term and I'm like stormed? Like he walked up onto the stage with with some purpose, but it wasn't like sprinting up no. there like and he walked up and S- open hand slap. Yeah. Chris Rock in the face. Yeah, pretty hard from from what it looked like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're suspicious that this was staged. It, it, uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm less I I think this was a real real moment. Then I guess I'm just surprised at the aftermath of the response then. Like that there was no response from Chris Rock other than just like kind of took he took it and yeah. then like nothing. Tried to recover. I mean, he's clearly like looking around like what do you want me to do? Yeah, I mean, I I guess there's I I, I don't know. It it, it was, it was, there's just something that fell off about it to me. Yeah. It was certainly a joke in poor taste. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right? No, totally. no doubt about that. Totally. But I also think that Will Smith overreacted. There's part of me that wonders if he, he, he got upset, decided to go up there, and then got up there and went, what on earth do I do? Yeah. You know, I and, – Yeah. And went with the – Open hand slap. Open hand slap. Okay. Which is better than the punch, I suppose. I guess. And probably in one sense better than – I think the other alternative is maybe like the two-hand shove to the chest. Like yeah. that's not a punch. It's not an open-hand slap. But it's a – but that feels like it's escalating something whereas I suppose the open-hand slap feels like one and done. Like I've, I've made my point and then I walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess you're not expecting Chris Rock to swing back. Yeah, is there anything more high society than storming a man in a tux and slapping him in the face? <laughs> I don't you know. You know, is there anything more elite than that? Uh, challenging him to a duel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, get challenging them to fence? Like, <laughs> yeah, fencing would have get, been a. Get, here's your petard. Um, if they started fencing on stage, <laughs> then I think this is staged. Okay. You know, if they start fencing at the Oscars. Yeah, it was just weird. It was. It was, and then he. And then I think just 10, 15 minutes later, accepted an Oscar for best male actor. Yes. Which is so weird to me. Like, what do you say? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I watched any of the Oscars. So this is just not in my realm of interest. But there obviously. Was, there was a time in my 20s where I tried to watch all the Oscar movies. And they're all just really sad um, from – like, like there's nothing enjoyable necessarily about them, but it's a grind to watch them all. And they make next to no money. That's well, the other thing. Well, and that's the thing. They, 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 they often are so artsy in one sense that, that, that it feels like you tried to make a movie to win an Oscar, that you're appealing to a very narrow group of people mm-hmm. who actually vote on this rather than making a movie that would appeal to a large audience. And I'm not saying that every movie has to appeal to a large audience. There's a place for niche movie making. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want every movie to be a you know a comic book superhero movie. That's that's you know I'm not opposed to those things, but like not every movie has to be Marvel or DC. Yeah, and I'm starting to get burned out on the Marvel movies. But oh. I feel so invested at this point. I'm like 20, 25 movies deep. I got to keep going. You know, there's. A, well, I got to see this through, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm. Try, I'm wondering out of 
So let's let's say there's 25 Marvel movies. I, there's I we don't know the exact number. Right? No, I didn't look it up. It's it's at least 20. Okay, let let's let's say 25 just for the sake of math. Okay, um, I'm wondering if I've seen half. I'm not sure I've seen half. That would be a fun summer topic. Let's go through all the Marvel movies and see which ones <laughs> Matt has seen. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, maybe half. I think I think half. And then and then, then of course they're spinning off. They're doing the series on. Oh know, yeah, it's like yeah. How do you keep up with that? Eventually, that's, that's why you you watch it when it comes out. You see it once and you check it off the list. Eventually, we're going to saturate the market with that, though, right? Like the, there's got to be the pendulum swing. Like we're, Marvel is going to run out of stuff or they're going to get to a point where they put some stuff out and people are like, I'm done. I'm not going to watch this. They haven't hit that yet. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I, it's crazy. All right. Well, speaking of crazy, let's talk NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, Boy, we, I did not – the entertainment section. We've never done one of those before. Yeah. 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 Um, so – what I find fascinating is we're, we are down to our final four and for all of the buzz and excitement around upsets and there were plenty, your final four is as blue as blue blood gets. Mm-hmm. With I mean Villanova might be the only school in that that you wouldn't necessarily call blue blood but based on their success in the last 10 years, yeah. they are blue blood. Yeah. They're ascending. Certainly. I mean, they've won two national titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's three. It's two. Jay Wright's won two, I think. I believe two. With, yeah. with Villanova. In any case, um, so you've got uh, Kansas will play Villanova and Duke will play North Carolina. Did you watch any of the Elite Eight games? I watched uh, North Carolina against uh, St. Peter's. That was a disappointingly uh, – yes. Seems like St. Peter's came back to earth. Yeah, yeah, it felt like that, which inevitably happens to those deep run teams. Yeah, when when you when you when you have a, a double digit seed in the Elite Eight, that's not surprising. Um, I'm excited for a Duke UNC game, though. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I think th- there's a there's an appropriateness to that, mm-hmm. given that Coach K has announced he's retiring. So, and. North Carolina ruined mm-hmm. Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke and beat him pretty solidly. I think beat him by 10, I think, 10 or 12. So it yeah. wasn't like even close. Um, and so, you know, this is an opportunity for Duke to get revenged. But uh, Carolina has figured something out. They are not playing like an eight seed. Yeah, they're playing really well. Um, and then the other side, who knows, between Kansas and Villanova. Villanova looked really good, but they lost one of their best players. Achilles, right? Torn Achilles. Yeah. Um, and Villanova's not deep. I think they only play typically seven guys. Hmm. So now they're down to six guys. Like that could be trouble for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for all of the excitement of the um, of the upsets, and there were plenty, when you get down to the final four – we get to blue bloods. Let's talk some bracket challenge. So um, this might arguably be my worst performance in a tournament bracket challenge I've ever had. What place are you in? I think I'm in 34th. 
out of 40. A uh, 35th. 35th out of 40. Mm-hmm. And one guy didn't fill out his bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I was counting it in the 40. Oh, you're right. There's you're 41. Right. There's 41. So I, I, I was not counting the person who did not fill out his bracket. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, I think this is the first year I've ever picked where I didn't get a single Elite Eight team. Ugh. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, but let's let's run through the stand. Well, uh, and and you, since we're not going to talk the top, we're going to talk talk top ten. You're, sure, you're, sure. You're in you're in eleventh. I'm in eleventh place. And although you still have some points remaining available, you are. It's impossible for you to win. It's impossible for me to win, which is yeah. probably for the best. <laughs> yes. Um, so although we, I still have Duke winning it all, yeah. so there's there's a chance yeah. that that could happen. Yep. Uh, why don't we go – so let's go ninth to first here then. OK. So in ninth place, we have Ryan with Dr. Bama and Mr. Hyde. OK. Um, he has some points left. Yeah, but he doesn't have a champion left. He picked Gonzaga. So he, he's, he's basically limited. Eliminated. Yeah. Uh, and then also tied for ninth, we have the G beard. Yeah, <laughs> you know who that is. Oh, absolutely, okay. I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got Duke. He's, yep. got, he's got a shot. Uh, yeah. Then Landon. You know who that is? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> In seventh. He, yeah, and he's got Duke. Oh, shocker. Uh, and he might. Yeah. Uh, I think he's eliminated. You think so? Yeah, because oh yeah, somebody above somebody him. above him has Duke. That's right. Uh, and then Danielle. Yes, you know who that is. Not sure I do. Former, she's uh, she oh. is a Grace alum. Okay. And then uh, Elder Elder Mark. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, he's though, done. Though he's done, he cannot. He had Kentucky. Yeah, he cannot. What a win. bad choice. Yeah, that's that that hurt. Ooh. Uh, and then Jacob. Yeah. Also, it, it, although he's in fifth, he can't win. He can't win. No. Now we're to some people who can win. Yeah. Uh, Cameron. Yes. Uh, in Kuwait, apparently. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's the name of his bracket. I mean, I know who that is. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Grant. We have two Grants in the top yes. three. So third, we have Grant asked for the dissertation. Yes. And he has Villanova winning it. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we have Lee. Uh, that's uh, that's yep. Lee from Milford. Yep, he he is one that contacted me after we talked through the Yellow Jackets this past summer, and said he had the same problem at his house, and he actually came to my office to borrow equipment to take care of his Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I did not know this. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, I, yeah. He, he, came, he came to my office. We are a full service podcast. We really are. Um, and then, including pest control, apparently. <laughs> and then uh, we have a uh, another Grant in first, and uh, and he has Kansas winning it all. Yeah, yeah. So. We will see. Uh, though the funny thing is, since we record on Mondays, next week when we record, we won't know we who, won't the, who, the, yeah. who the champ is. So we'll, we'll have, have to push we'll back. Have a, we'll have a final though, right? We'll know who the final is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. got to get moving along here. Um, and uh, NFL offseason real quick. Uh, the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins for like five picks. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I – this caught me by surprise. I I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know he was on the mar or he was on the block. I mean, mm-hmm. it felt like he was on the block for like ninety minutes, and then it was down to a couple teams, including yeah. my Jets. Yeah, and uh, apparently Tyreek chose the Dolphins. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. An interesting move. Like I, I guess what they figure is we can find someone who does almost what Tyreek Hill does. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I think he is unique in his his speed and his taking the top off the defense kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like you just have to account for him everywhere. But the Chiefs apparently felt like five draft picks to reload other parts of the team are more valuable. Yeah. And my guess is is they, they, they're going to draft a wide receiver. I'm kind of hoping they're going to draft one of the Ohio State wide receivers. You know, there's a lot of talk of an, uh, Olave probably. Uh, uh, there's talk of an Ohio State wide receiver going to the Jets as well. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. I know you don't. Uh, we ruin <laughs> Ohio State wide you receivers. Do. You do. You ruin We've Devin Smith. Two or three of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please don't take one of my Buckeyes. Um, I, I literally have no say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're assuming that the Jets front office listens to the pod. So that was not an appeal yeah. to you. That was oh, that's an appeal true. to the higher-ups. Joe, yeah. Joe Douglas, yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, speaking of people who listen to the podcast, uh, those of you who listened last week know that we're talking about uh, complementarianism. And uh, so this is part two. Mm-hmm. We would encourage you, if you haven't listened to part one last week, it's going to be helpful probably to go back and listen to that. Because last week we laid out sort of the positive case for um, what is complementarianism and why we find it uh, to be uh, the the biblical view for understanding how men and women should function within both the church and within the home. Mm-hmm. And so what we did last week was present sort of the positive case, and we tried our best. And I think we're largely successful. Largely successful. BB plus, yeah. Yeah, to avoid um, answering objections, just trying to make the positive case. So uh, this week, we are going to talk about common objections to complementarianism. So, uh, John, why don't you get us started? I wanted to repeat our uh, definition of complementarianism from last week just so that we kind of get it on the table there. So why don't you go ahead and, and – Yeah. So complementarianism is the view that God created male and female to complement, not uh, say good things, but but to correspond, correspond to, right? That yeah. was the word we used. Uh, to each other in reflecting the character of God and purpose in home, church, and society. It holds that both male and female are created in the image of God and have equal dignity and value before God, but have been given different roles within the home and the church. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Um, yeah. Do you, do, you, do you want me to – how do you want to do this? I don't we, know. We have seven of these, and it's not all the objections that are out there, no. but we've tried to, to – You've tried to group them together and bring them together in certain ways. So um, do you want me to read the objection? Sure. And you respond? Does that that work? Sure. Okay. Objection one. Uh, Galatians uh, 3.28, you know, the verse that goes, uh, there is neither uh, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. You know, know, uh, that verse seems to – Level the playing field, so to speak, seems to say that that there's no difference here. There's no difference in roles. Yeah. Um, so that that's the first objection to, to complementarianism. Yeah. That that uh, and I think we've mentioned this, but the the typically the uh, opposing view to complementarian is egalitarian. Oh, we haven't. I don't think we've used that word. So yeah, um, yeah that we should probably. And basically, it's just egalitarians do not think that there should be any distinctions between men and women in That's terms right. of how they function within the church. Every 
ministry opportunity office, et cetera, should be open to them. And uh, oftentimes they also will um, uh, they they reject male leadership within the home as mm-hmm. well, seeing more mutuality as opposed to headship. And there is a spectrum there as well, like there is on complementarianism yes. as well, right? Yes. So yep. I've run into some egalitarians that are like, well, we can have women elders, but we can't have a lead female pastor. Yep. Uh, so yeah. all sorts of variations. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a big spectrum. So Galatians 3.28 is a common text that uh, that people will point to and say, well, when Paul says um, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, no male and female, that what Paul is doing is eliminating those distinctions mm-hmm. and that that should be applied to understanding how uh, women participate in the ministry of the church. Uh, my simple response is that's not what the text is about. Yeah, it seems to be more about uh, dignity before God. The text or... is about – how a person is made right with God, mm-hmm. and it's on the basis of faith in Christ, regardless of gender, uh, socioeconomic status, or ethnicity. Which and, is the larger argument of Galatians generally. Yes. Yeah. And um, you know, elsewhere, the same apostle who says that there that there is you know says this makes distinctions between Jew and Gentile in sure. terms of how God is working and things like that, and so uh, he. He's clearly, to me, not making this blanket statement of, therefore, all distinctions are utterly obliterated, and this is the sort of overriding text that seems to, you know, uh, contextualize other texts that seem to make prohibitions about women uh, in certain ministry roles. Okay, let's move on to objection. I'm gonna I'm gonna press this forward. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, to keep pace uh, here. Yep. Objection two. Uh, the Bible all over the place gives examples of females in leadership. I mean, think about Deborah or think about uh, uh, Priscilla. Uh, these, you know, she's listed before her husband in some mm-hmm. passages. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, yeah, why, why, why does this? Why doesn't this just kind of give us the green light? Uh, because none of them are referred to as elders or pastors. Yeah, it's an anecdotal example. It right? is. It is um, that uh, women can and do perform you know leadership roles in one sense within the people of God and within the church it's just that they're not um, allowed to hold the office of elder slash pastor um, and I, I would also think that I also think it's helpful to say here I, I think egalitarians regularly overread those texts mm-hmm. that they trot out every example of a woman doing something in the New Testament and go see women should be pastors yeah well that's a big jump mm-hmm. um, you know they also point to um, the end of Romans I, Romans I get yes with yep. with uh, with Phoebe mm-hmm. uh, or in Philippians Euodia and Syntyche Paul calls them out in chapter four and you know one well-known egalitarian scholar basically is like, see, obviously that they're they're in positions of leadership in the church. And I think, no, they're not. I mean, they might be, but yeah. you, you can't just conclude that. There's nothing in the text that tells you that. It's just that you, you, know, you, you claim, well, Paul wouldn't call them out if they're not leaders. And I want to say, I'm sorry, in a small house church, if you have two people, regardless of gender, and they've got an argument going, that can tear that that small house church apart in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. So that doesn't assume that they're leaders. All right. Um, one last thing I'll say about that is I, th- I find Kossenberger helpful 
uh, on this where he, in, in one of his books, I can't remember which, talks about the general pattern throughout Scripture that we see as male leadership. We see mm-hmm. exceptions like Deborah and things like that. Okay. Yes. Uh, objection three. Uh, you know, the, it's a different world. There are cultural factors here. Uh, you know, women couldn't uh, – and women couldn't read and write during this time. They're, therefore, how could they lead? You know, so, mm-hmm. so now that we have a different culture, we can do some of those things. So yeah. respond, Matthew. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, under this category, I've got sort of three different variations of it. The first is uh, sort of a general objection. Like you said, women were less educated. Culture was less uh, uh, enlightened. enlightened. Yes. Um, so that the, the argument runs, well, women had less access to education. They they weren't as knowledgeable because of cultural factors and that's different now. So that prohibition doesn't apply. Uh, there's also the – with regard to specific texts, they will argue that, for example, 1 Timothy 2, the, the context there in Ephesus is you have these uh, – women who are self-assertive and false teachers and so Paul is prohibiting in that particular situation but not making a universal prohibition, that there's something going on in Ephesus that Paul is sure. responding to a specific uh, situation rather than making a, a universal pro, uh, prohibition. Um, to, to me, I would say, first of all, uh, that's not – for the, to those first two, that's not how the Bible argues. Mm-hmm. It roots it in it roots it in the created order. Yeah, and that's it, why that Timothy passage is so. Yeah. you know, I mentioned that this is a really important passage to me. And, yes, uh, for that reason. It, yeah, the argument is not there are these women going around who are false teachers, and so we need to stop them. It's this is the created order, and I think that's an important argument there. the The, the third sort of subcategory here is the current cultural developments demand revi- uh, revisiting or revising biblical views. Um, Particularly in cases of abuse. Yes, or, the idea or, that – see, complementarianism leads to abuse. The moment sure. you have male headship, you've got uh, abuse right there, that, mm-hmm. it, that it somehow uh, justifies uh, abuse. And, and here's where we just have to remind ourselves that a, a distortion or, a, or um, misuse of a doctrine doesn't make the doctrine wrong. That's right. It makes the yeah. misuse of it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I, I saw something I, – I, you know, I crushed Twitter earlier but I saw someone uh, – I appreciated this. I can't remember the name of the person who tweeted this. But basically it was someone who said, look, I'm not a complementarian. I'm, I'm essentially egalitarian. We've got to stop using this complementarianism equals abuse stuff because I've seen it in just as many egalitarian church contexts as I've seen it in complementarian mm. churches. So the argument that it's – you know that it supports this is um, – a misunderstanding of the doctrine itself. That's way too reasonable for Twitter. Uh, I know. Let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> objection four. Complementarians is a, is a new development. You know, this is only a word we've used for the last, mm-hmm. what, 30, 40 years, if that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, in, it's rooted in America. It's rooted in these cultural dynamics that we have here. Yes. Um, my response is simply that uh, while it may be true that the term complementarianism uh, is a relatively newer term within the history of the church. The idea that um, prioritizes male leadership within the church and within the home mm-hmm. has been the overwhelmingly consistent view in the history of the church until the last 
hundred to two hundred years. Not to say you can't find exceptions. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I, I, I'm aware that you know there are authors who pointed out example here, example here. But the dominant view by far has been the priority of male leadership in the church and in the home. And um, the whole argument that it's just rooted in American cultural dynamics, I think, overlooks that large historical swath of, of evidence, as well as outside of the American context, the priority of male leadership in the home and in the church in, um, in other church contexts around the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to Objection 5. Uh Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. it talks about wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives. Uh, right before that, it says that we're supposed to submit to one another. And yeah. uh, that piece of grammar there in Greek governs that whole section is, is how I've heard it put. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do we get complementarianism from that? Well, I, I think the, the simple answer is um, what the text actually says runs against Mm-hmm. That, so right before when you have that ex- that expression of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, what Paul is doing is saying, um, essentially, we are to uh, live in a way that reflects how God has ordered creation and the home, and so within the home, this is what submission looks like. Because you know he goes on to talk about. Um, about wives being submissive to their husbands and then talking about children, obeying parents and um, servants, slaves, obeying masters. And so um, there, there is a sense of mutuality but within the appropriate sphere that God has designed it. Mm-hmm. And, and just the actual text that follows, Paul doesn't tell husbands to submit to their wives. He could have used that word easily. Yes. Yeah. And he and just the, the parallel the parallel that he draws between Christ and the church just breaks that down sure. because Christ does not submit to the church. Mm-hmm. The church submits to Christ. So the argument in that passage of rooting wives' submission to their husbands in the home as a picture of how the church submits to Christ and how. Leader, male leadership in the home, self-sacrificial, loving leadership is a model of Christ loving the church. Um, just the, the parallel breaks down with mm-hmm. mutual submission. It, it runs counter to what the actual argument says. Okay. Objections. And we're flying through these quickly. Yep. And, um, and we should make the caveat. Of course, these are more complicated arguments and I'm giving general answers. Uh, objection six. Uh, if women have, have the gifts required to be a pastor – who are you, Matt Harmon, to tell them they can't <laughs> well, uh, be? You know, you well, know, uh, yeah. you know. Why, why are you the gatekeeper? I, I am not the gatekeeper. Actually, <laughs> uh, I believe Scripture is, though. Yeah. Um, the, you know, nowhere, nowhere does God allow or encourage the completely um, unsupervised or just. Uh, unrestrained use of the gifts he gives his people. Mm-hmm. I mean, even apart from all of these considerations, think about what he has to do in 1 Corinthians. And regardless of what you think about the, the spiritual gifts, that's part of what he does in 1 Corinthians is say, you guys have to do this orderly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't just – if a person wants to speak in tongues, 
They can't just do it any old time they want. There's a process here in the gathering of the people of God. And if there's nobody to interpret, then that person has to zip their lip and say, okay, I can't share this in the congregation because there's no one to interpret. So God never just gives free reign to the exercise of gifts he gives. And so just because a, a, a woman may have the kind of gifts that would lend uh, – that would make her uh, a qualified pastor or elder doesn't mean she is free to exercise them in that specific capacity. Mm-hmm. Now, she can exercise them in any number of different ways. There, I think there are plenty you – know, there, there are men in churches who would be elder qualified, who have the gifts necessary but are not pastors for whatever reason. Maybe it's yeah. time or circumstance or whatever. So um, nowhere does scripture enjoin the free exercise of gifts however we want to use them. Sure. Um, and I kind of lumped six and seven together there. Uh, yeah, well, seven – yeah, seven is the – you know Ad hominem. Yeah, you have a woman yeah. who says, God's calling me to be a pastor. OK, well, um, I would simply say I think you've misunderstood what God is calling you to. Yeah. Um, God doesn't call people to disobey him. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be called to, to exercise a kind of ministry that has similarities to pastoral ministry of shepherding or caring or even teaching and those sorts of things. But in terms of the office, I would say – God doesn't call you to that. And um, let's be honest. We can easily misunderstand what we think God is calling us to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sort of the subjective argument has to be, I think, carefully handled there. All right, Doc, that's all seven. Yeah, we blitzed through those. We moved very, very quickly. Yeah, and so uh, if which, you want to crush, we, crush yeah. me on Twitter, go ahead. You know, uh, yeah, that, that be... seems to be the appropriate format these days for – crushing people. All right. Any Anything you would reference real quick? Any? I mean, we'll throw – we have a list of resources here. Yep. I can throw those in the show notes for us. Yeah. I do want to highlight because uh, three – one of them is a repeat from last week, but three of them are new. OK. Uh, the first one is Kevin DeYoung, Let's Reason Together About Complementarianism, which is a short article dealing with I think five common objections to uh, complementarianism, short article on the Gospel Coalition website. Uh, that is actually a oh, – I didn't check verbatim, but it looks pretty close to uh, an excerpt from the book that he wrote called Men and Women in the Church. It came out a year ago, maybe two tops. Okay, That's by Crossway, also a very short, accessible um, kind of uh, – treatment of this issue within the specific context of the local church. By the way, uh, I just got a notification that our area is going to have a tornado siren in 10 minutes. So, I, Well, that gives us a uh, clock to get uh, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> start the countdown clock. Otherwise, it's going to be interrupted. <laughs> yes. Though, and we're, pr- we're actually pretty close to we're the siren. We're pretty close to the siren, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last book I'd recommend is Andreas Kostenberger, God, Marriage, and Family, Rebuilding the Biblical Foundation. That'd awesome. That'd be a good place to look. All right, John. We've got to move on to uh, today in sports yeah, history for March 29th. We're on the clock. Um, 1945, Walt Clyde the Glide Frazier, uh, New York Knicks guard uh, yeah. in, the, in the 70s. I threw that in there for you. I appreciate that. Born in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, 70, 1976, 38th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Indiana beats Michigan, 86-68. Uh, first time two teams from the same conference played in the title game. And IU finished undefeated. Yes. 
Yeah, that was uh, that might be the last. I think that's the last undefeated national champion we've had in college basketball. Was that a Bobby Knight team? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, 82-44 NCAA. Oh, we're going to get a run of these, aren't we? Uh, Just, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. North Carolina beats Georgetown 63-62. Uh, James Worthy named tournament most outstanding player. Uh, 19-year-old North Carolina freshman Michael Jordan makes a 16-foot jumper with 15 seconds to give the win. I believe that was against my beloved Patrick Ewing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That turned out all right for old uh, Michael Jordan. Yes. Yeah, he did okay. That was kind of his um, – not his coming out party, but like basically that that propelled him to stardom on the national stage mm-hmm. of like, oh, this guy's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, 1984 – yeah, 84. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Baltimore Colts moved to Indianapolis. Yeah. And when they go back to Baltimore, they will not put Colts on the scoreboard. It says Indianapolis. Did you know that? No. Yeah, if you go to – if you go to a Ravens game today, they'll put Indianapolis on the scoreboard. They won't put Colts. Which is a little ironic given the fact that the Ravens are the old Browns. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that they essentially, you know, they lost a team because another city stole it and mm-hmm. then they just went and stole another team. Yeah. The nice thing about the Baltimore Ravens though is they've they changed, changed their name. Changed their name, color yeah. scheme, all yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if our I, I know maybe maybe Nate in Ohio can help me with this, but I think all of the, like the franchise records stayed with stayed Cleveland. in Cleveland. That's right. That's yeah. right. They didn't take any of that with them. Right. So it's a little ironic that the Ravens have Ozzie Newsome as their mm-hmm. um, general manager, who is a legendary Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. tight end. So, all right, who do you like out of that? Well, I always like uh, Walt Frazier. Um, but I'm willing to go 1982. That was a that was a lot of stars in that uh, in that series in that in that game. Yeah, you had three uh, Hall of Famers mm-hmm. right there: James Worthy, Michael Jordan, uh, and Patrick Ewing. And that was a bit of a, a I think a little bit of an upset. Uh, you know, Patrick Ewing did he win? He won one NCAA title. Yeah. Even though I think he appeared in three championship games because they lost to. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. They won one one year, and then they lost to Villanova. Hmm. The year that like uh, Villanova shot like eighty seventy five or eighty percent for the game, hmm. like just out of their minds. Uh, and th- this is the game where is this the game where Patrick Ewing blocked like the first goaltended the first four or five shots? Uh, it might be. I'm not sure. Okay, but uh, this game also was well known for Georgetown was up. They're trying to kill some clock, and their one of their guards had a brain cramp basically, and threw it directly to a North Carolina player. Like oh, he was gosh. looking to reverse the ball and didn't really pay attention to, and he thought his teammate was up top and threw it right to a North Carolina kid. Wow! And that gave them uh, the final possession. My goodness. Okay, uh, so we're gonna go with that one. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, one thing you liked. Uh, I just got back from Dallas, Texas, and I was a part of the NetView conference, so the Network for Vocation and Undergraduate Education. Uh, it's a mouthful. Believe it or not, there's something like 200-plus schools there, 300-plus uh, schools actually, and uh, over 800 people. So it was, it was – despite its very niche <laughs> topic, yeah. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was a good conference. Uh, got to make some good connections, uh, made some friends, had a delicious steak – 
um, paid for by somebody else. So yeah, it was lovely. A very expensive steak. It was a $40 steak paid for by somebody else. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the steak place? Oh, my goodness. Uh, n- no, it was an Argentinian grill. Oh, okay. In Dallas, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Nice job making uh, friends with uh, Righteous Mammon right there. Yeah, yeah. It was it was wonderful. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I have uh, – I'm reading my way through uh, J.R. Tolkien's The Silmarillion. You ever read that? I have not. I've heard it's a, it's a slog. It is a bit of a slog. I've tried like four times before this and now I'm just like I, – I am, I am going to brute force my way through this. Um, I mean it's got some interesting stuff in it so far. Part of it is I'm, I'm doing this in anticipation of uh, Amazon is releasing the their Lord of the Rings TV series yeah, this fall. I'm not looking forward to that. Well – They use the word tasteful nudity to describe <laughs> it and that, that did not do any, yeah. any favors for me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, th- that's a pretty broad category. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see how that shakes out. But we got two minutes before the siren. Uh, yeah. We, okay. <laughs> You're putting me on the clock here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just want you to be aware. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, assuming that we'll actually the world will still be here after we finish this, maybe it'll be a real. Who knows? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Though it looked pretty nice out when we walked in today, though brutally cold. For this time of year. Yeah. All right. We have talked uh, Oscars, something we didn't expect. Yeah. We're entertainment gurus. We're on yeah. E now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have talked uh, NCAA tournament, bracket challenge. We've talked responding to common objections to complementarianism. We've talked about the emergence of some guy named Michael Jordan. We've talked about an expensive steak that John enjoyed. It was wonderful. And we talked about Tolkien's The Silmarillion. I think uh, by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.